Okay, Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. And if you've got one of the church Bibles, it's on page 1043. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed you, appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to him, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, let's open up this great passage. Um, I said to Jen when I first looked at that passage, uh, oh, yeah, thanks, Luke. Um, uh, when I first looked, well, God's sovereign. And she said, wow, you've just figured that out now. Um, but I thought that passage was so perfect for today, that it's about God being in control. So let me pray, and then we'll uh, get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word. And as we wrestle with it for a little while now, help us by your spirit to be transformed by it. Amen. Uh, well, at nearing the end of our holidays, we uh, decided to surprise the kids uh, with um, going to the Gold Coast and going to the theme parks. And we got a seven-day pass and we did that, That's, which was a lot of fun. We did it with some, um, some friends and did the roller coasters. Now, I don't know if any of you like roller coasters. Anyone like doing the... No, lots of no's. Yes, and lots of yeses. There's a, there's a pretty new one at Movie World. The DC um, uh, Rivals uh, Coaster. Has anyone been on it? No. Well, it's the biggest one in the Southern Hemisphere. It is tall. It is scary. 
you see it when you drive past, it is massive and it is very fast. We decided if we were going to do this thing, Amy, who was freaking out, me, who was as cool as a cucumber, not, and our two friends, we had to do it like a band-aid, rip it right off and jump straight in and do it the very first thing we did when we got there. And so we did it and there was, wow, the Amy and, and uh, uh, our friend's uh, son would, could not stop talking and was more well, of his nerves expressed. As you were, we were saying, and Bertie and I were like, yeah, we're not worried at all. And we get in and I've never felt this sensation of kind of going up like this and the drop is literally down like that and twists and goes like that, literally down like that if you see it, if you look at that. It is insane. It was insane. And I ne- the, the nerves going up, and I'm thinking up, and I'm thinking, this is the biggest regret of my life <laughs> as I'm going up. And as it come down the roller coaster, going down that first one, I, I don't know why I did it, what happened, I just screamed out as loud as I could. I think the whole theme park would have heard me yell out, what is happening? <laughs> so loud that whenever we went on any roller coaster, they thought it'd be really funny at the beginning of every ride to yell that out, which I really enjoyed. But it was fantastic. It wasn't the biggest regret I've ever had, nowhere near it. And the next day, or the day after, we, we decided, it's holidays, it's crazy, we're going to get there right at the front of the line. So we got there really early, we got to the front, and we went on it really quickly because it was so good, again. What looked like the greatest concern of my life, just before I was about to face it, was awesome. It was amazing ride, if you like roller coasters. It was phenomenal. Because everything was in control on that ride. It was safe. It was fine. Everything was sorted. Today, when we open up the scriptures, we see what our concern with life should be. How does God want us to think? How should we think about our worries? And before we face them, how does God want us to prioritize our life? As we are heading up this kind of roller coaster of life, if you like, really bad analogy, but we sometimes are thinking, this is the biggest regret of my life. How does God want us want to deal with it? When it's not just a ride, but our life. That's where I want to take us today. Um, for all of you, I hope that you can see Jesus wants you to trust in him. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or, uh, or you're visiting us or, or you're regulars here who seek to follow him, that's where we're going. And I'd love you to wrestle with that wherever you're at with God. And as we heard with the kids, it starts out with an age-old family problem. I want all my money because there's an inheritance Verse 13, someone in the crowd wants Jesus to figure this out. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And for generation after generation, this is still a problem, dealing with people's inheritances. There's been many, many fights. There's been murders. There's been um, uh, families falling out of uh, relationship, court battles over inheritance. Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to deal with that. That's not my problem. Who appointed me judge and arbiter between you, he said. But he used it as a point to drive what's lying behind this issue is an issue that everyone has. 
whether there's an inheritance at stake or not. And he says in verse 15, if you've got the Bible there, I think it'd be really helpful to have it out um, in front of you. Um, I don't have, oh, there you go. It's up on the screen there too. Um, that's helpful. Um, it says, verse 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The point is, life is not about all your stuff. That's what we're wrestling with. Jesus has decided to make this very clear and it's good for us to wrestle with today. It's watch out. Not, yeah, you know this, right, guys? It's not about your stuff, so don't worry. It's this is something you have to really deal with. We all fall for it at times. Even those of us who maybe don't think that we wrestle with this, who have made big changes since we've decided to follow Jesus. It is something you need to watch out for. You need to be on your guard because we can fall for it. Greed will come in all sorts of different ways. And it's not just a rich person's problem, whatever that means. Wherever you're at, it is a challenge. Watch out, Jesus is saying. And so the parable is helping explain what the issue is and how you deal with it. He explains this parable of the rich man that we heard uh, uh, explained with the kids. He has a beautiful harvest and he thinks, well, I can't even look after all of my stuff. So what I'll do is I need to store it. So I'll get bigger barns, get bigger and bigger. I have plenty of grain because you know what then I can do? A phrase which is kind of eased into uh, culture without people realizing some uh, scriptures I can eat, drink and be merry for the rest of my life if I just do all the hard work now. I'm doing this for the kids and for the family so that later I can actually just eat, drink and be merry because that's what life's all about, isn't it? After all, just being happy. That was his goal. It's a very uh, impressive parable because written so long ago and yet his attitude is really the the beating heart of many people around us in our modern day world. But God said to him in this parable, verse 20, two words that are very clear and harsh. You fool. You've got all of life wrong. What you're worrying about, you've got wrong. You're a fool. See, this man with the barns was like one of the, my um, golfing mate's uh, friends. Yeah, a few weeks ago now when I was playing with someone and he was talking about his friend who um, worked really, really hard, gave up many, many things. Holiday house, heaps and heaps of possessions. H- had it all and planned to spend, retire early, like 50, which is only eight years away for me. <laughs> That's bizarre. Uh, and... and and then just take life easy, drink and be merry. It was essentially what he said. What happened to my golfing friend, the friend that he was talking about, is what happened to this rich man in the parable. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. As I read this and I thought, this is a a parable and yet it happens so often. (laughs) We don't know when our life 
is going to end. We don't know who's going to get our stuff, use our stuff that we might not even get to use because we don't know when our life will end. So verse 20 ends with that. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You're a fool. While your life may not end up in this way, there is the same outcome for those who store things up and worry about their possessions in that way. And that's the conclusion of the parable. You can see it there. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Jesus is wanting us to wrestle with a modern day problem. Possessions can be good. Possessions can be a blessing from God. But they are tricky because the good things we get, we, in our self-obsessed way, turn them into the things that are going to bring us all our happiness and joy and hope and put weight, we assign way too much value to them. We can even trick ourselves in Christian circles by thinking God wants us to have these things when he gives us them, but it's not where life is supposed to find its centre. I want to ask you, what is it for you that is hard when it comes to materialism? That is the question I want you to ask yourself. Is it, I just need, I'll look good with, I'll be happy with, I'll be content, I'll be safe, I need to pay or buy this, I'll then be happy with these things. I think what we're being asked to do in this passage is open up to ourselves where we have this struggle. And if you can't find it, or maybe I want to suggest, maybe you need to look a little bit harder. Because I think this isn't a, a problem of just this guy in the crowd. I think this is the human condition after the fall. And if we're being honest... We live in an extraordinarily materialistic age, don't we? Like, if we were able to jump through the ages and compare materialism throughout the ages, I think we would just be blown away by how materialistic we are. And it's kind of like we, lo- we don't realise it because we live in it. And if you're younger than me, you probably even don't even see it as clearly because there's just so much stuff so quickly and so fast and things move and we need. It's hard for, for us not to be caught up in it. And maybe it affects our relationship with God. Maybe we're worried about it so much we don't even have a relationship with God. And the challenge of the day is to watch out. You would be a fool if you thought that way. Now, we, we all um, at some point studied ancient Egyptians and what the pharaohs did. In some ways, I don't know if it's still what gets taught in schools. I assume it does, or your teachers at some points. But what happens with the pharaohs? What did they think we can do with their possessions and stuff? It's not who will go, who will get it. When, um, what you prepared for yourself is just put it in with you, and so you can take it with you. But that's not going to happen. 
The alternative, though, isn't like depressing. It's far better. God wants you to be rich towards Him. God wants you to have a long-lasting, deep relationship with Him which transcends anything you own. So much so that Jesus, it's called, this section is called The Journey because Jesus is journeying to the cross where He gives us that life, that long-lasting relationship. Be on your guard and watch out. Materialism, as I said before, is not just a rich man's game alone. Um, I've, I've been reading a bit about materialism and thinking about it this week and, and I had articles from the past and I looked at these things and I and pulled them up and there was one from 2013 from a, um, a journalist, I can't even say his name probably, George Monboit or something like that. Apologies to George for getting his surname wrong but... Um, he wrote an article in The Guardian about five years ago highlighting how we've just got everything so wrong with how we've made materialism the be-all and end-all of life. And he highlighted a whole bunch of journal articles and research. It's not like the world isn't aware through scientific study that materialism is causing us a big problem. If you do any, go into it in any depth, you see there's paper after paper highlighting it's not actually the solution to life and the way they describe materialism i think this is spot on is a value system that is preoccupied with possessions and the social image they project is that not our culture just think about how pictures of superstars uh, celebrities sportsmen uh, musicians wearing this selling that and why do, the, why, why do advertisers do that? Just because um, it's, a, it's fun? Because it makes millions of dollars because we actually think as we compare ourselves, that'd be good if I had that. Advertisers want you to envy and need what the celebrity has. If a celebrity's there with four Rolexes on their arm, you're thinking, wouldn't it be good if I just had one? And then if I had two? Or maybe I'll be successful. Maybe I'll get that girl if I have all those things in the poster. And it's on a subconscious level even, the possessions that we obsess about that we don't realise. There's been a long correlation. Materialism doesn't equal a happiness. What uh, this article highlighted and pointed to a few studies, I can point them to you if you're interested, and I'm not going to go into that now, is that as materialism focus increases as i've defined it well-being has decreased and vice versa does anyone know what country i think it's 2017 a massive study was done around the world which country has the greatest levels of anxiety which country is number one in this study yes australia was number one we're pretty affluent. We're pretty successful. I think it was Australia, New Zealand, US, Ireland, I think. But as you look at the other end, which countries were the lowest? There was a whole lot of African countries and Nigeria was the smallest. Now, there may be, you know, are they recording and all those kind of things. But it was so stark to see that the researchers, were their comment was they were surprised because they thought the countries that had nothing would be more anxious 
because of the, you know, they just couldn't even survive. But it's us who has so much. Isn't that interesting? Materialism forces us into comparison. George is conclusion, his uh, editorial opinion, I, I, I think was really helpful when he said, our obsession with materialism has not helped our society and has even been destructive to it. Now, why have I laboured this, you're thinking? This isn't a sociological uh, lecture. Why am I labouring this? Is it because this is a mind-blowing conclusion uh, uh, that research has discovered? It's all this brand new information? No, it's not. Jesus knew that replacing God with the pursuit of material happiness leads to great anxiety and worry. Once again, science has just led us to what God has shown us in the Scriptures. See, what's the conclusion to this parable? What's, where does Jesus go with it after we see this here? What does he say? Have a look at the very next uh, verse, verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, that is, what is the conclusion to this? Oh, don't worry about your possessions. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body or what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Jesus is saying, your modern day problem is because you've replaced me with stuff. He wants us to consider, to not worry about the material, because he is in control. He's far more reliable, and I'm glad that the steel structures and the engineers that built the roller coaster were reliable. And he is far more reliable. He's perfectly reliable. And it's not just don't worry about life, because you get more, you get to be rich with God. So don't worry about your life. And so what happens in this passage is that he goes on to elaborate further with two illustrations from nature. You may be familiar with them even if you haven't read the scriptures because the ravens one does come up in some ways. In verse 24, consider the ravens, the birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this, very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So I think <laughs> what we've got is actually psychology at its best. See, what you do is with your thinking is you actually ask yourself, is it going to help? And if it's not going to help, then you don't let it affect you. That's what this, this uh, illustration is saying. God looks after the birds and you are far more valuable than them. Now, today, some people want to say, no, we're just like the birds and every other animal, and that's a load of nonsense, isn't it? Because we're made in the image of God. And Jesus comes and dies for us and restores that image, so then now we're in Christ, in Him. 
We are far more valuable. We are rich towards God because we are a restored image in Christ. And so if he's going to do that for us, of course he will sort things out for us. God is going to look after you. You are much more valuable than birds and anything else in God's eyes. Isn't that extraordinary? We, creatures, so lower than God himself, values us so highly. The second illustration is just elaborating on it further by uh, talking about wildflowers and how they grow. They don't do the job themselves. God does it. It's basically what he's saying. And then he says in verse 27, Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? That is, he's going to look after you. Trust me. He's in control. It's an encouraging word. And it does highlight how silly it is when we think that stuff can make us better. God knows what we need to survive. And even if it's not working out for us now, God is promising us an eternity where everything is fine. And instead of worrying about that, the the stuff we have, that's what the pagan world does. Those who don't follow God. Like in verse 31. Sorry, verse 30. For the pagan world runs after such things and your father knows that you need them. It's not that they're bad. It's just we're not obsessed by them as if they're what life is about. Because what we should be obsessed with is what verse 31 says. Seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. We want God to be glorified, to live for him, to trust in him. Our treasure is with God. This passage is... I'm only just kind of getting warmed up. And I, I was thinking I'd go into further what, what happens further on in this, uh, in this speech as he talks about um, Jesus can return at any time and that you've got an option before you to repent or, or perish, which I may I'll get back to next week. But I want us today as we hear this word to sit in it, I think. I want you to ask yourself, well, to ask God to help you to intentionally seek to not worry. Because we can have a heavenly perspective. We can have a sovereignty of God perspective. He has got it all in control. And we can have a I'm not in control perspective. And I think we're seeing that we need to keep coming back to these things. Certainly, what I've been learning over the last uh, break. I, uh, I shared, shared with you earlier, and as I said, I think it's okay to get help because we see how much God cares for us. This is not simple. All of us will have worries, and it's not to say that you shouldn't be concerned about things. It's not Jesus saying, and I think when I was young and I read it as a Christian, it was like, okay, I'm not allowed to worry anymore. I can't think about things and be concerned about it. Like it's black and white. 
where is life black and white? Life is messy. But you can do things to help you think better. You can do things to actually focus, to help you love God more and trust in Him. As I said earlier, dealing with anxiety, which is um, something that uh, is really challenging to me, sleeping in a good way, exercising regularly, getting back to the Bible in a deeper way, even organising self, gives me a better chance to think clearly. Because we're made, we're not just spiritual or just physical, we're physical and spiritual. To struggle with anxiety is not to say you're ungodly. There can be an ungodly dimension to it. But when you've got struggles, well-being struggles, it doesn't mean that you can't wrestle with God. Actually, it should send you to wrestle to Him, to trust in Him, to see how much more God cares, even when throughout the whole time, particularly in the darker times of the break and early on when I was really just like, what is God? why can I not drive past a stupid sign and not feel weird? Like, why can't I do that? Even when I'm feeling like that, I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on, but I can tell myself, I know you're in control and I'm not dealing with it well. Maybe I should deal with it better when I get home next time. But help me to trust you. That doesn't go away. It doesn't mean that I'm not still struggling with what's in front of me. And for all of us, it looks very different, doesn't it? Whether you're struggling with anxiety or just the stresses of life at certain times. Maybe you're a control freak in certain aspects of your life. Maybe you're not a control freak at all that you don't worry about anything and that's just as much as a problem to those around you, let me tell you. Like, we all have our own issues, right? We're, we're broken being restored by Jesus together. But what won't fix us is worrying about our stuff. Jesus is restoring us. Eternity will be perfect. And so we come back to him and trust in him. Can I encourage you to wrestle more and more with the idea of trusting in God? Not just as an idea, it has to be an idea, but in how you express it. That's what I've been challenged with. And to have it full of grace when you get it wrong. And when those around you are trying to do it and they don't do it that way, be gracious towards them because we all make mistakes. We don't perfectly trust God, but He perfectly saves us. I want us to finish there. Let me... Just go back to 1 John chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are.